Now you want to foster your child's strength, but how can you help your children? Every child learns differently. While some child's strengths are reading or writing, others learn more effectively through hands-on activities. Your child can excel in a variety of areas. Today, my guest Melinda Ledman will be talking about identifying your children's learning skills. Melinda Ledman is a graduate of Baylor University with a bachelor's degree in English. Working periodically as a screenwriter and researcher for indie films and shorts, she began freelance writing full-time in 2002. That year, she and her husband Rob started a family that now includes four beautiful children. She gratefully serves God after 12 years of alcoholism and appreciates grace and freedom on a whole new level. And now is a full-time homeschooling mom. Welcome to the Gems of Motherhood, Melinda. It's so great to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Melinda, you and I have a very interesting history. I released my movie, and you wrote a review <laughs> on it, and uh, and then we just started becoming friends. We started <laughs> keeping in touch, and and now we're talking about homeschooling, and you're on the podcast, and this is going to be a fun time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, I, I really enjoyed your movie, so I was like, it was a lot of fun, and I was, you know, I was really excited to. Get to talk with you, also. So. Oh, thank you. Uh, now, you and I have spoken a lot on homeschooling, uh, and we've also touched on learning styles for children. Now, can you share with me some examples of the different learning styles, and why is it so important to cater to the children's learning style? Well, if you look it up online, you know there's anywhere from three to ten learning styles. But I would say that the the top three encompass the majority of your learning style, and then the rest are sort of like icing on the cake. So the top three would be visual, which you're learning by seeing. Auditory would be hearing, and kinesthetic would be touching and moving things, and you know just. Tactile sort of things, mm-hmm. and and they've added things like um, reading and writing, verbal, social versus solitary. But I would say those are sort of icing on the cake issues where you, it's just a little nuance of mm-hmm. your learning style. And so I, I'm not sure that those are the. T- I would say stick with the top three categories in terms of how your student would learn. And and I guess the purpose of even figuring it out is to find ways. That you can teach your student in a way that they love learning, whether it's homeschooling or in public school, it doesn't matter. If they're learning in a style that they understand, then they're learning it, they're getting it, and they're enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of the same idea with the five love languages, where mm. if you are being spoken to in your love language, then you really receive that. And the same is true of academics. Right now, how can we help our children determine their learning style? Well, after four kids, <laughs> I would just say it's it's sort of experimenting and observing. You've got to try all the different styles. You know, let them listen to a book on tape. Let them read it. Mm-hmm. Let them look at a picture book. Let them act out the story and sort of figure out: Are they enjoying it? Mm-hmm. If they're enjoying it, they're going to remember it. Mm-hmm. And you know, for testing purposes, are they able to retrieve that information right. on a test? And so. When you sort of find that strike zone where they're reading and they're remembering and they're enjoying, then you say, "Oh, awesome! <laughs> I'm a visual learner. I think we'll right. track it down this way." And I've had every kind, so it's just taken time to sort of experiment and figure out what what they like. Yeah. 
Now you have four children. How long did it take for you to identify their different learning styles? I mean, at what age do you usually see their strengths in their type of learning styles? Well, I think they start to exhibit those pretty early on. Uh, my oldest uh, is a kinesthetic learner, mm-hmm. so she would not sit still. I try to do public school at home, which is a joke. You just can't have a child <laughs> sit at a desk <laughs> for hours and hours listening to you lecture. It doesn't going to happen. So especially for a kinesthetic learner, she needed to be up and moving around. And I think probably one of the most liberating things that someone ever told me when I first started homeschooling was, I think you have a kinesthetic learner. Why don't you just let her bounce a ball while you're covering the material or, you know, use some sort of fidget gadget or jump up and down on a trampoline while you're reciting your math facts. And I went, really? (laughs) Okay. This is really (laughs) non-traditional. This is not how I grew up. Right. So, um, so she exhibited that very quickly. Um, my next two, they were pretty easy. Also one, you know, my second one really loved books. So I figured that out pretty quick that she was visual. She didn't feel the need to run around circles around the house for Mm -hmm. 20 minutes before learning anything. My third one was also visual. She taught herself to read at three years old. Mm. Wow. (laughs) So I said, and I'm sure she was listening to me teach other siblings up the line, you know, reading, but so it was pretty obvious that she was also a visual learner. And then my fourth, he's really a mixed bag. He really has all of it. He's got the visual auditory kinesthetic, Mm. all of it. I'm not sure I can pin him down yet. I haven't, he's 12 and I'm not sure I can say that he's dominantly one style or another. Right. Um, I will say my kinesthetic learner is also auditory. She does much better with lectures, with books on tape, songs, things like that. Mm -hmm. So I I would say early, but again, you can have a kind of a wild card, like my son who's 12 and I'm not really sure. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. The rest I pretty much knew by five, you know, by five or six years old is pretty obvious what they were. Now, do you think they could um, have like obviously a dominant learning skill as well as a, a secondary learning skills? Is that possible? Absolutely. I mean, you, you really, you have, you've got your top three, which is your visual, auditory, kinesthetic, but then you have, you can have a combination. Um, mm-hmm. Like I just said, my oldest is a combination of auditory and kinesthetic. Her dominant is kinesthetic, mm-hmm. but now that she's in high school and she's not trying to run circles around the house and she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't feel the need to, to jump up and down on the trampoline to learn. Yeah. Um, she, uh, she has kind of switched over to her auditory side. Oh, that's and great. So you, you know, it, it's, certain things will, she still learns better by teaching, which yeah. I think is a kinesthetic treat because if she can uh, write an outline and draw it on the board and explain it to an audience, it's very interactive. So her teaching, I think kind of lands along the kinesthetic line more than the auditory. Mm. They'll be mixed over the years, I think. Right. Now, what are some examples can you share specifically? And we'll go through it for a mm-hmm. visual learner audio learner and kinesthetic learner. Okay. Um, you mean with regard to particular subjects, like mm-hmm. how, how are some, what are some ideas? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So some ideas, I would say I'll, I'll just hit the top four subjects, English, math, science, history. Those are top okay. four. I mean, you'll have, you'll have other things like STEM, you'll have art, you'll have Bible. And so there's several other subjects and the, these will a lot of these will cross over, but let's start with, with a visual learner. In English, 
they're going to want to see everything, right? So if you're reading books, you want things with more pictures in them. If you're teaching spelling, you can have them use chalk on the sidewalk and draw the letters huge. Now that's also a kinesthetic trait, but it's, it's equally visual because they're seeing it, you know, seeing a huge representation of their spelling. There's a trick I learned with spelling cards where Mm -hmm. if they're keep repeatedly misspelling a word, do a sort of a little art project with the word emphasizing the the wrong letter so that, you know, it's in big, bold red or, you know, Mm. whatever error they keep getting wrong, emphasize it correctly in a visual format on Mm -hmm. a, on a note card, something pretty simple like that. There's also books with um, characters and stories. And I'm like, uh, grammar tales is a, is a good book for learning grammar. Super grammar is more for boys. It's like superheroes, each of the grammar, you know, (laughs) the verbs are superheroes you know, (laughs) stuff like that. So in general, you're going to want books for your visual learner. You're going to want books, charts, graphs, pictures, all of that sort of thing. Anything they can look at and really dig into. Mm -hmm. For math, there's a really great curriculum called Addition the Fun Way, Multiplication the Fun Way. And then there's another one called Times Tales. And they're all math facts drawn to pictures. So if your child likes stories and they like pictures, then you've got, you know, the twos, I think they're like in, well, I won't give it away, but you'll have to check it out. They're pictures. They're great. (laughs) (laughs) But the numbers are characters and they're interacting with each other to make the math facts. You can do math facts on a dry erase board. Again, they're writing it, they're showing it, Mm -hmm. they're looking at it. You can do things like the memory game. Again, some of these kind of cross over with a kinesthetic. You're Mm -hmm. actively involving yourself with the material, but you're also looking at it, seeing a picture of it. Right. Right. So for history, for a visual learner, I would say, you know, really dig into the history books with obviously a lot of pictures we've already gone over, but go into paintings. You know, if you can find historical Mm. paintings and have them just look at that painting and really say, hey, what do you see in there? How are these people interacting? What do you think that says? What outfits are they wearing? What what time period do you think this is? What's going on at the time? What, what resources are available? What are the things around them? So you can really teach a history just through looking at a painting. And then timelines maybe are a good one if, if kids like to look at and draw timelines. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a visual representation of history. And so they're able to really sort of see it instead of just hear about it or hear a random story. You know, I remember in college when I finally took, I've been hearing Bible stories my whole life. And then I took history of the old Testament and I saw them all chronologically on a timeline. And then I thought, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Just, you know, I put it all together for me. It it was fantastic. (laughs) For science, for your visual learner, I would say diagrams, lots of diagrams. Mm -hmm. Kids love you can, they can trace diagrams. They can Mm -hmm. draw their own. You can say, Hey, here are the 10 parts of the cell. Why don't you draw that for me? What what do you think they look like? Let's compare them to what the book says they look like. You can really get into letting them recreate their own diagrams as much as you can get kids to invent their own version of the material and then compare it to the truth. It really engages them because then they see oh, well, I thought it would look like this. And they go, no, it really looks like this. Well, now it's burned in their mind what it really looks like mm. <laughs> you know, because it's really different than what they thought. Yeah. So I would say, you know, the more you can interact, get them to interact with the material, that's the best. Also, science museums have a lot of visuals, right. tons of visuals. You know, you can see these things in motion. You can see them in action. You can see diagrams. They're, you know, big spinning wheels and, and movement. So the more they can see 
the better. So I would say those are the top, you know, some ideas for visual auditory. Okay. We're going with hearing, right? So they're hearing better. They, they remember things better just by hearing them. If you have them sit down and read a book, it's very frustrating and exhausting for them. They don't, you know, they're bored. They're irritated. They, they want to hear it. If, and in fact, but what if you're, what if you're reading it while you're flipping the pages, isn't that part auditory? Do you remember when we were kids and we would do the read-alongs and you have the little tape and you put it in the tape recorder, <laughs> you push play and you'd read along to the book. I don't know if maybe that's for your time. But, um, <laughs> you can, well, well you, the difference is I didn't grow up here, so we didn't have oh, a read-along. Gotcha. Uh, we had very traditional schooling. You sit on the desk right. and you learn. <laughs> right, right. Yes, yes. Well, we had this here and it, and it was it was really an elementary thing where you could listen to the story read aloud to you while you were looking at the picture book and looking at the words. Uh-huh. And that is fantastic, especially, especially for young readers who are auditory and they don't quite, you know, they can't, I mean, if the parent wants to read it, awesome, you know, that that's even better. But uh-huh. when you get into a high school setting and they're reading two or 300 page books, obviously you're not going to be sitting there reading to the child. So um, a nice thing about something like audible, Mm-hmm. or any of the free library audiobooks that you mm-hmm. can get, they can listen to the stories and read along. And, okay. and that reinforces what they're like. They're not frustrated with the reading part at that point. Mm-hmm. They're hearing the story and they're kind of following along with their eyes and it's just double mm-hmm. reinforcement, but they're not having that frustration of having to read and look at and try to remember by staring at something. So, so what you're saying is that they just don't like to read themselves. They want to be able to listen to it. Right. Okay. Right. And these are the kids that will really thrive in a lecture environment, especially in college. Mm-hmm. If they are, they'll read a college textbook and that might be laborious for them. But when they go to class and they hear a lecture, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it comes to life and it makes sense to them. Mm-hmm. All of that, that they had just read and didn't understand. So a lot of times these are your kids that do really well in college lectures and yeah. upper level, upper, upper level education. If you can cater to that when they're young, fabulous. One of the things that they, that we use a lot in our curriculum are songs. Mm-hmm. And so my kids studied, we did visuals, we did all kinds of kinesthetic activities. And I'm telling you, the thing they remember are the songs, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it's just something about it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so songs are really, really effective and you can find every kind of song on YouTube. I mean, just type in what you're learning uh, yeah. and song after it. <laughs> somebody, really? Okay. Somebody has written a song for it, I guarantee. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so in our curriculum, we use the classical conversations curriculum. So they have songs for the English, for the English grammar, mm-hmm. and you get those through a special side of their website. But so we use those a lot, especially to remember something kind of boring, like what is a verb? What is an adverb? You know? Right. <laughs> No kid is going to be excited about defining an adverb, you know, but, but they'll get it. You know, if you remember right. and all of a sudden you're like, they're asking you for an adverb on a quiz and you go, what's an adverb? An adverb. It, you know, no, I get it. Somebody. I mean, I was looking at the classical conversation sandbox one and it was saying about memorizing preposition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just like, this is so boring <laughs> to me, you right. know, if I had to read it over and over again, I'm like yes. it's still not sticking to me. Yes. So, 
I still sing the preposition song from when I was a kid. If I'm mm-hmm. ever confused about whether something's a preposition, I just, I go through that song. And if it shows up in the list, I'm good. <laughs> I mean, from when I was a kid. Right. So it really, it really does stick. So you can do things like that. And I've already mentioned the, the books on tape for English. For math, again, with songs, but sometimes classical conversations calls it chanting, but it's really just like, you know, two, four, six, eight, you know, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. sort of like this repetitive beat. It's not really a song, but it, you're using a, right. a beat to memorize. Right. Sometimes if you've got a really creative kid, you can ask them to write their own song for that material. Oh, wow. Um, yes. And they come up with some really great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they really do. Those auditory kids are great. They're great at yeah. it. So you just have them sing their own song. And my kids have made up their own songs to so several things. Uh, we made up our own Bible verse songs. So I, I don't know. That That's pretty fun one. Now on history, you can look at historical fiction. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing right now because I was reading to my daughter uh, the past, you know, the past two days I've been reading. And then when mm-hmm. it came to the scripture and I started singing, she's like, mommy, are you singing? <laughs> Is this sticking to you? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Yes. And once she sings along, man, it just gets stuck. It gets stuck right in their brains. It's fabulous. (laughs) You know, I read somewhere or, or I think I read it. Maybe it was in a video presentation. They were talking about how music stimulates all of the sectors of the brain simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And from a spiritual perspective, I think their argument was that this is why God created worship because it mm. stimulates us on all levels and music, you know, it, it reaches your soul, you right. know? So music is really unique in terms of memory and in terms of experience, you know, if you're in a bad mood, you sing a happy song and all of a sudden you're not in a bad mood anymore. It really changes a dynamic for you. So I think that music has a special, a unique place in learning for yeah, sure. Yeah, I agree. You know, just because as an adult, even when you hear certain songs and you start singing, and you're like, oh, I remember the lyrics, you know? Right. <laughs> right. I didn't even remember trying to remember them. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I just know them. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. History end of things, because I could really seriously talk for an hour about all of this. So I'm going to try to go fast. <laughs> um, the, on the historical, I would say it for history, look at historical fiction. G.A. Hinty um, has some fantastic historical fiction books. And while the kids do need to learn the actual history, and, and there's plenty of history books on tape. One of the ones we use in high school is a Patriot's Guide to History, and that's on Audible. And I'm sorry, Patriot's Guide to the History of the United States. And so you know, we use something kind of, I won't say it's dry, but just straightforward history story. But then when you get into historical fiction, now you've got an author who's an entertaining author filling in some of the gaps that history doesn't fill in for you. And so it really stimulates the kid's imagination and makes them feel like they're there. They pick up nuances of the culture, the times, what's happening, who's mm-hmm. in charge, you know, so they pick up a ton of details in historical fiction that they maybe wouldn't from a standard textbook because it's sort of embedded. In fact, one of the things that I did for my kinesthetic auditory writer child <laughs> was <laughs> when, when she was supposed to be writing essays for sort of these comparative, compare and contrast essays and fact-driven, she's very story oriented. So she was supposed to write these fact-driven essays and was completely bored with it. And I said, I tell you what, you pick out 
20 facts from that era and write me historical fiction and include every single one of those facts. You know, this is again, a benefit to that's a nuanced thing for her. She really loves fiction and she learns better from fiction. So you can embed the facts in the fiction. Doesn't really, I'm not sure that has anything to do with her being auditory or kinesthetic, but Mm -hmm. as a writer and a storyteller, that's what speaks to her. So for us writing about history in that kind of a setting was much more effective because she really had to research the time period to be able to write a story. She couldn't get her facts wrong. Mm-hmm, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's sort of on the, on the generating content end of things, but for kids just listening, they'll, they'll pick up a lot from historical fiction for science auditory. I would say if you were to ask them to close their eyes, if you're reading a textbook to them, close your eyes and envision what I'm reading about the water cycle or Mm. uh, this animal in biology or Mm -hmm. this force of of physics or chemistry. Close your eyes and imagine this. And then as you read it to them, you have them draw what they think that looks like or what they think that be, how they think that behaves. And so so again, you're, you're tapping into their listening, but you're really having them engage in the material. Mm -hmm. So from a scientific viewpoint, get the material in through their ears, but have them sort of turn it back out, either recite it back to you. Um, I've, I've seen this too. This is like, I think it's a technique called recitation where I will read a story, maybe includes 20 facts and I need you to repeat back to me 10 of those facts. So this is great for the auditory learner. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They listen, they have to repeat back. They have to remember, and they usually do it pretty easily. I'm like an visual learner is going to be very frustrated by that. Right, right, <laughs> I'm right. frustrated by that. When my kids try to read me stories, I'm like, don't read it to me out loud. Please just hand it to me on paper. And I will <laughs> totally get it. You read it to me aloud and I'm lost by sentence too. I can't do it. <laughs> so, I mean, here we are trying to figure out visual or auditory, right? And you said, don't give it to you in audio mode, but give you right. the paper. Right. But what if it was a music in a lyrics form? Well, so for a visual learner, you're going to appreciate the lyric sheet a little more than the auditory learner, right? You're going to appreciate printed notes that you can sort of follow along like your old hymnals, uh-huh. you know, I mean, you can, you can find sheet music anywhere online at this point. Right. So if you just print off some sheet music and they can follow along with their eyes, mm. um, it really sort of embeds it in a way that, that maybe just hearing it doesn't. Right, right. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm a, I'm a visual, uh, well, I'm a filmmaker, so right. definitely a visual. So. <laughs> right, right. Me too. <laughs> That's what I loved about screenwriting. You couldn't tell the story from a, you know, a Right. And you can, you can read and imagine it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I don't know. I think you can adapt it. You just mm-hmm. kind of have to stop and think, okay, if I were to, to shift this into visual mode, what would I do? How right. could I make this something they can see? Is it music? It's sheet music then. It's lyrics. It's pictures of a of the instruments. If it's if you've got a kinesthetic learner, break out the drums, you know, break out the mm-hmm. triangle. <laughs> or <whatever>. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't break out the tin whistle. Oh. <laughs> Deafening. I'm just kidding. I shouldn't say that. There are learning. There are things to be learned. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, just sort of whatever the discipline is, think through how do I make that visual? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, like in, in Bible verses, one of the things we do when we're doing scripture memory, we do, there's two visual things we do. One is I have a coloring page and mm-hmm. 
And I mean, my kids are in high school, but they still like to color. You know, mm-hmm, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not like I'm done with, you know, and you see it, they have these artist coloring books, right? I mean, right. I mean, adult coloring books everywhere. So they like to color and they, it's very relaxing. Or right. drawing, we can draw the verse, you know, yeah. here's the verse and a big blank space above it, draw that. What do you, how, how would you visually represent that Bible verse? Mm. And, you know, obviously this is for older kids, but I mean, even younger kids can do it. Right. Um, just draw me a picture of what you think that looks like. Yeah. And so really anything can be tailored if you just sort of put your mind to it. And also Pinterest. <laughs> is, is Don't we all phenomenal. love Pinterest, mama? <laughs> There are millions of ideas that other people have thought of for you in Pinterest that you don't even have to use any brain power whatsoever for. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. Type in the subject and type in visual. (laughs) Type in the subject, type in auditory. Right. So I'll hit this last one really quick on kinesthetic. Again, my first was an active, super active kinesthetic learner. So Mm -hmm. everything was movement everything. For English, if they're writing a story, they're having to, you know, write a paper, have them do something that they can act out. Let them act it out. Okay. Write your paper. But then I want, I want you to costume, costume up <laughs> you know, and act it out for me. I've already mentioned the memory game that's moving and flipping pieces of paper or cards or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think I also mentioned jumping on a trampoline. My kids jump on a trampoline <laughs> to spell their words. Spelling, I mean, cat, C, A, T, you know, every jump was a letter. <laughs> so, <laughs> See, because I grew up in such a traditional environment where you're sitting at the desk. And if I were to do that with my kid, I mean, I don't, you know, and I'd be like, is she really learning? <laughs> yes. You yes, have to well, sit down. No. Well, here's the thing about a kinesthetic learner. And I told you it was liberating when somebody told me this, but they explained to me, they said, it takes them more concentration to sit still. In other words, they're diverting all of their attention to sitting mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. and they can't learn because they are so focused on, I have to sit still. I cannot move. Mm. And it's taking all of the energy and attention I have to not get up and walk around. So if you really, really do want your kinesthetic learner to be sitting then do it for very short periods of time, I mean, it's a right. great discipline. They do have to learn it. You can't right, have, right, you know, right. children they can't, they can't be doing trampoline in real school. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're not going to go to church service and have them running right. circles around the pulpit because, you know, they learn better that way. Right. So. I'm going to preach on the trampoline. <laughs> that's right. So it's a good discipline, but make it short, you know, say, okay, I want you to sit perfectly still for five minutes while we do these math facts mm-hmm. and only doing 20 and boom, you're done. Get up and go walk around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you can have them sit still. They can be trained to be still and to focus. They have to learn that. Right. But at the same time, it all be like that. It can't be five hours of sitting down school. That, yeah. that would just drive yeah, them yeah, nuts. Yeah. And they won't learn anything. They'll be frustrated. Yeah. So yeah. So that that is the hardest thing, I think, when you've been traditionally schooled. Because I grew up in public school too, where you sit at your desk mm-hmm. and you listen and you take notes and you read in your book. And occasionally you get to get up to do a science experiment. Right. You know, once every six weeks. Right. Exactly. (laughs) It was was awful. And I mean, it makes sense, right? Because when I think back about myself being in school, there were just certain subjects that were just so boring because I just couldn't take just sitting down there. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's why hence certain subjects I did better and certain Mm -hmm. subjects was just 
terrible. (laughs) Right. And actually this kind of goes to a point I was going to make later about sometimes, I mean, it's really great to do what's best for your, your child's learning style, but sometimes as a teacher, you can't take it. I just, I'm not a manipulative person Mm -hmm. in terms of kinesthetic stuff. So scientific, you know, science experiments were a nightmare. I did not want to have to go get all that stuff out and set it up. And (laughs) and then we do the experiment and then we got to write it all down. I mean, it's like four hours for a science experiment. Please don't make me do that. You know, that would just drive me crazy. So sometimes you have to do what's better for you. And I would say to, because you just can't do everything to their learning style for your own sanity. And especially once you get multiples. So one of the things that you can do as a parent is, okay, what's the subject they hate? They hate the most. Mm. Oldest hates math. All the other three love it. The one hates it. Can Mm -hmm. I make math a kinesthetic learning experience? I Mm -hmm, probably mm -hmm. should because Mm -hmm. that's the one she hates. If I can make it in her learning style, it may become more tolerable for her. So if you have to pick... You know, and you maybe only do two or three subjects in their learning style, pick the subjects they hate and focus on that. Great. So, um, That's awesome. I, I love yeah. all of the little gem nuggets <laughs> that you share about the different learning styles and examples. It's definitely really helpful. Yeah. We are pretty much almost at the end of the show, but you know, <laughs> I know, I know. No, this is great. I love it. I know that you have tons to share that I really just appreciate it. But is there anything else that you would like to share with other gems of mothers out there? Well, I would say don't get too stressed out about the learning styles. I mean, really, mm-hmm. like I said, it doesn't have to. We we all learned and wrote public school environment and we all came out smarter. Okay. I mean, it it works. So, you know, don't be hard on yourself if you haven't figured it out or if you haven't, you know, found enough activities or, you know, don't be staying up till, you know, three in the morning trying to find the right activity for your child to make sure that they learn it. You know, sometimes just go with it. You'll, you will begin to see it over time and you'll notice some trends in their learning and in their habits and what sticks and what doesn't stick. And, oh man, we did that. And they never forgot that. Mm-hmm. My kids tell me things all the time. I remember when we did this and I think, I don't remember that at all, <laughs> but you know, it's stuck in their minds and right. because it was a, something that they really enjoyed. So I would say if you've already, you're already familiar with these learning styles and look up, maybe look up the nuanced, you know, things, do they learn better in social groups or solitary? Do mm-hmm. they look at material logically, mathematically, or do they look at it artistically? You know, do they want to interact with it on a art, music, acting sort of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, level? Are, are they more interested in nature stuff? Can you filter so much of their learning through nature? Do they want to be outside? Are they verbal. So, you know, look into some of those, their styles and see if you can kind of tweak it, make it a little more specific. And, and also recognize that those styles are going to change as they get older. I've already mentioned that my kinesthetic learner is not bouncing around the house anymore. <laughs> she, she's just not, she's kind of shifted to auditory and, and, and sort of by nature, some of my kids who are quiet and shy, we're in classical conversations and they're forced to get in that classroom and have conversations about the material they've read. So I've right. got one quiet, shy one that really prefers to learn on a, you know, solitary by herself. She Mm -hmm. wants to sit down and read the material and please don't interrupt me and don't come talk to me about it. But because she's in that class, it's really expanding. You know, she's being able to take that material in, in a social environment. Mm -hmm. And so those sort of things, as they get older, are going to morph and change. 
And she really enjoys those rhetorical conversations that she's having. And, That's um, awesome. Yeah. So I think that I would just say, have fun, have fun with it. Enjoy it. Enjoy your kids. It's like the best journey. I never wanted to homeschool. My husband talked me into it. <laughs> and um, I was just like, I don't know about all of this. <laughs> <laughs> But about five years into it, I kind of figured out what I was doing. And, and I thought, this is really fantastic. And I actually get to know my kids and I get to know what's going on in their lives. And I get to know who they are and how they operate. And I love it. And yeah. so many times at the end of every year, literally at the end of every year, I tell myself, I'm putting these kids in public school <laughs> <laughs> every year. <laughs> and I never do. I can't do it. I'm like, it's so, it's so much fun. It is so much fun to get to know your kids. So just enjoy that. I would say that's my biggest, my biggest uh, suggestion. Just enjoy it. I love it. Thank you so much, Melinda, for sharing all of uh, your gem wisdom with us. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And I'm going to send you a list for any of your listeners with some of these ideas, because, you know, this way you you can't take notes fast enough to get all this stuff down. So yeah, that would (laughs) be great. I will send a list with all of the different learning styles and just some ideas to definitely. And for all of you listening out there, the list will be posted on our website and you'll be able to download it so that you can learn all about the different learning styles and all the great stuff that Melinda will be sharing. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Gems of Motherhood podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more amazing Gems of Mothers and more resources, head over to gemsofmotherhood.com where you can subscribe to the show. That's where you'll find show notes with actionable tips and any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I hope you'll find inspiration and learn to cultivate your own journey. You are loved. You're an incredible gem to God. He knows you intimately. He knows what you're going through and he knows what you need. Remember, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in Him. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.